Thank you, Chip. I really appreciate that. We don't frequently talk about eschatology. And as the saying goes, um, it shows. Um, It shows because we have so many misunderstandings about the end of things when it comes to a biblical understanding of eschatology. As Tammy said, eschatology simply means the final or the last. What is it that we believe finally happens to our world at the end of days? What happens to us? There are many misunderstandings that exist within our own tradition, the Christian tradition, some unhelpful ideas, but then there are also some modern expressions of that that are unhelpful as well. They find their way into some of the hymns that we have sung, maybe we grew up singing, and they also exist in some of the contemporary songs that we sing as well. You'll see an example of one of the really bad expressions of the end of things on our altar table this morning. I don't know how many of you are familiar with these books. I grew up reading them. The Left Behind series. This is one example of the end of things, how our world comes to a close. Now, it's a fringe understanding. It's one that's not incredibly biblical. It came about in the 1800s by a man named John Darby and was fringe for a significantly long time until the 21st century. And Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins made it popular with this fictitious series. Not only is it really unbiblical and difficult to justify, but it's not orthodox. It's not really what we as Methodists believe so, so we have that that exists in our culture that makes it incredibly difficult to understand and articulate a, a theology, a, an eschatology. But it also exists in some of our familiar hymns that we love. One of the hymns that I love that, that I sang at the end of every Jacksonville State University football game, if there are any Gamecocks here, you know what that song is, I'll Fly Away, Oh My Goodness. How many of us love I'll Fly Away? I love I'll Fly Away. But the reality is, is that that is not an accurate understanding of what happens to us when we pass away. Similarly, a contemporary hymn, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. There is a line in that, uh, that song that says, The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. We don't believe that. We don't believe that at all. Because if we do believe that, we don't take very good care of the earth. Because it's passing away. So what then is it that we believe about the end of things? Well, we get our clearest picture this morning from Revelation 21, 1 through 6. And I want to read that for us just one more time. Listen to these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God is dwelling here with humankind. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning, crying, or pain. For the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, All is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will freely give water from the life-giving spring. The depiction of the end of days is not a destruction of the world that we live in or an escape to some other heavenly place outside of this world. But it is the descending of heaven to earth as God comes to dwell with us. It is a restoration of the way that life was when God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. Here, in this place, it is a vision of hope. It's a vision of restoration. It is a way of existing and living with no fear and no anxiety, no pain and death as they are eradicated before the presence of an almighty God who loves us so much that he would come and live and dwell among us once more for all eternity. Now this understanding, it, it, it permeates the New Testament, not so much the Old Testament, The Hebrew people were not terribly concerned about the end of things aside from some passages in Daniel and a few other pieces of apocalyptic literature. But Jesus certainly is. And some of the traditions that we embrace every single Sunday speak to what happens to our world and what happens to us as well. Jesus, at the beginning of His ministry anticipates what he calls the kingdom of God. Or if you're reading the gospel according to Matthew, the kingdom of heaven. You see, the Jewish people were very familiar with holy monarchies, for they had had one for a while. Right? The, the kingdom of David and Solomon and Saul. It was supposed to be a kingdom ruled by God, but they elected to be ruled by people instead. Yet this is their view of what life with God would be like that God's kingdom would come and rule on earth. And when Jesus comes on the scene, He proclaims that that is drawn near in Him. So when we look throughout His ministry, what we see are incredibly tangible ways of what that kingdom looks like. Throughout His ministry, He gives us a glimpse of the, what we call the inbreaking of the kingdom of God Anytime that healing and wholeness takes place, we get a glimpse of what life would be like if God's kingdom were here on earth. Anytime that individuals who, who, cons- who are considered those who have not and those who have dined together at the table of the Lord, we get a glimpse of what the kingdom of God would look like. When lepers and women those persons in our our world and society who tend to feel unworthy, when they feel loved by God, there is a breaking in of God's kingdom 
here on earth. When people, religious leaders like Nicodemus, who think they have it all figured out, come to a fuller awareness of who God is and live into that, God's kingdom is revealed. When people previously considered outside of God's plan and God's vision for humanity become incorporated Magi, Romans, Gentiles, when all people experience God's grace and reconciliation, we get a vision of what God's kingdom is going to look like. But we don't yet fully experience that. We see glimpses of it. We're even called to build it. Jesus teaches His disciples to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do things down here right now as if I were here among you, God invites His disciples to do. Knowing with the anticipation that one day that is going to be fulfilled. And so we don't get to just sort of twiddle our thumbs. We don't get to sit on the sideline. We don't get to, as the saying goes, let go and let God, which is quite a cop-out. No, we have the work of building that kingdom in anticipation that one day God will return to finish the work that Jesus began and that we continued. That is the day when that heavenly kingdom descends to earth. And we may say, well, okay, that's, that's great, but what about us? You know, you said I'll fly away isn't a really good understanding of what happens to us. Well, you know, every Sunday, virtually, we say the Apostles' Creed. And there's a particular line in there that we recite and affirm every single Sunday that we believe in the resurrection of the body, so many people think that we're talking about the resurrection of Christ's body. Well, to be sure we believe in that, but what we also believe in is that we will be able to share in Christ's resurrection. That when we die, we too will be resurrected to live and dwell in the kingdom of God. And to quote our communion liturgy, to feast at the heavenly banquet table of our Lord. We work and we wait for our resurrection. For that time when we too will dwell in the kingdom of God that comes to earth. I can't overstate how much the time that we find ourselves in right now lends itself to the hope that our Christian eschatology can bring. Never before in my life, or maybe even many of yours, have we experienced a taste of what it would have been like to live in the time that Jesus did. We have taken for so long granted of modern medicine and all of the luxury that it affords us. Antibiotics, vaccines, so much that keeps us healthy and safe 
that increases our mortality rate. But when we read these Scriptures, we read Scriptures written by people inspired by the Holy Spirit who struggled with a mortality rate between the ages of 30 and 40. And we become keenly aware of the fear of death and the pain and the loss that living life brings. Perhaps for the first time in in our lives, we can read these passages of Scripture that offer us hope for a future and restoration and really fully grasp the hope that those offer to us. When our daughter Lucy died, one of the songs that we sang at her funeral was, We Will Feast in the House of Zion. It is a song about eschatology. It is a song about hope. That one day, when our lives have passed away, when this earth has been restored, we will feast once more with those that we love. Those that have gone before us. And we intentionally picked that song because in the worst moment of our lives, it was a song of hope for us was a song of hope for us that even though we lost our daughter, and even though it seemed as though the world was falling apart, it wasn't. That there was hope. That there was a future. And that one day all things would be made new. Things would be made well. In the midst of the time in which we find ourselves, the difficulty, the disease, the downtrodden nature of our lives and the heartache, those of us who have faith in Christ have a hope that so much of what we experience in this world will not define our lives forever. But that one day, one day, God will dwell among us. He will wipe away every single tear from our eyes and bring peace to His people. Let us pray. Gracious, holy, and loving God, we give You thanks. We give You thanks that even even as transcendent And holy as you are, you love us enough that you're not only willing to come once to teach us the way in Jesus of Nazareth, but that you're willing to come once again and to dine and dwell with us for all eternity. God, but in the meantime, be with us. Empower us for the ministry that you have set before us. God, and encourage us and sustain us in this difficult and trying time which we all find ourselves. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.